You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Alrighty, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Today is episode 100 of this stupid podcast, and I can't believe we've come this far. It is uh, very fitting that we have the powerful Tim Bohr from Sound Talent Agency. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. Number 100. I feel uh, feel very honored. Thank you very much. I love that uh, when we were talking about this before we started recording, that you made it sound as though this was all intentional and that I chose you for episode 100. <laughs> Don't take it back. I can't, I can't now. It's out. It's out. <laughs> in the... Indeed. Well, where are you talking to us from, Tim? Where, where are you located? I am in Cinnamons in New Jersey. I'm sitting here talking to you on my front porch at the end of work day and uh, doing a wind down, but a wind up for you. So we'll, we'll see how this all goes. Now, Tim, you mentioned a work day. You know, everyone in the music industry tends to have different hours. I'm more of the Dave Shapiro type. I'm a late morning guy. You know, it's a heavy lift for you to ask me to get up by 8 a.m., we'll say. Me too. Okay, so that's what I was getting at. Now, you're, a, you're a late morning guy. You work late in the morning through the, the evening kind of thing? I get started anytime between 8 in the morning and 11 in the morning. Um, I'm not like a, a bounce out of bed and get into it kind of guy. I'm uh, Me neither. I need at least, worst case scenario, 30 minutes, usually two hours with a couple of cups of coffee and you know, maybe a workout or, you know, just something to get my brain working before I can really get into it. I think it's partly because I know once I get into it, that's all I'll be doing the whole day. The next 10 or 12 hours, that that's what's going to have my attention. And uh, I think I protect that kind of like peace and quiet moment in the morning before before anyone's asking me to be on the job to just kind of smell the roses, so to speak, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's why we got into this damn industry is to have some autonomy, you know, and have some liberation, you know, the emancipation, I guess, from from the day job vibe. Yeah. So I am the same way. I take my sweet time getting going because you just mentioned it. Once I open the levee, then th- those floodwaters just come in pretty quickly. Today, I did something different that I almost am incapable of on a normal day. And, you know, I think it's in part because I told you I, I was out late last night playing poker and I'm, I'm sleepwalking a little bit through my day. I'm being I'm actually having a really productive getting a lot of shit done day, but I'm fucking I'm toast. But I did this thing today where I started work about 830 this morning. I got up early. And uh, in spite of being out super late and getting almost no sleep, I had something going on in my house, got me out of bed early, and I jumped right into it. And at about 11 o'clock, 1130 this morning, I'd already done a few hours worth of work, and I went, took an hour off and got, went and got a haircut. I can tell you that I almost never do that. If I don't get a haircut before I start work, it doesn't get done that day. It doesn't get done that week. Interesting. It doesn't get done. Right. Period. But today, I... I, I took an hour off in the middle of the day and I went and <laughs> did something I knew needed to get done. That was uh, an interesting change of pace, honestly. Well, you look sharp, I will say. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Good looking dude. You know? Well, you know, I just mentioned I had John Pantle on the show. I had Dave Shapiro on the show. So we're making the rounds of the Sound Talent agents and, and the Sound Talent family 
Um, for those who don't know, just a quick background, Stateside Management partnered with Sound Talent. Matt, Dave, and Tim are co-owners of the company with me, my partners, and couldn't couldn't be happier. We're, we're doing all the things I wanted to do. And Tim, for those who don't know, you know, our, our audience is built up of music producers, audio engineers, folks in bands, people that work at labels, music managers, that type of crowd. We also have a bit of like an entrepreneur audience, you know, people from all walks of life check out the show. So for those that maybe don't know your story, can you kind of give the quick origin story and how long you've been working in music when you will got this all started? Yeah, I want to try and put a little bit of a different spin on it because I've been on a number of these at this point been interviewed and in print and video over the years and you know i've told this story a lot you know the one thing that's a little different just starting into this conversation is i think you know when it got down to me knowing i wanted to have a life in music and make a career out of being in music i initially thought i would be a sound engineer and and i actually put some some actual real time into that you know spending time in the studio and learning to record and learning my way around the board and the way different rooms sound when you when you put different mics on them and all, all that cool stuff that goes into that that that's what i thought i was going to do initially uh, or maybe live sound i thought that, that that those two things would would um would be where i landed but instead I, I wound up booking tours and i think my parents will tell you that i had a natural ability and desire to want to negotiate everything in life all the time. And I think that took over when push came to shove. And uh, this is the only job I've had as an adult, aside from my last two or three jobs, which were pumping gas, digging ditches and uh, mowing grass. So, um, you know, this is the only thing I do know how to do is, uh, is book tours. And it really got started by being at a traditional college, being in an economics class. For weeks on an end, just knowing that I was not going to fit in that world. I was not going to be a nine to fiver. I was not going to be in a box. Uh, I needed a different freedom. I needed a different ambition. Um, you know, and and I knew that if I didn't find my way into music as a passion and 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 something that would make me want to go to work every day, that I was going to have a real problem. And uh, after a year of, of being in college, I was like, okay, make this move. Um, so I, I made a move into, you know, being in music. I got a, a, an internship at a management company. Short story is they didn't know what they were going to do with me. They gave me uh, the time, a, a, a like a, you know, a, a, an actual book from Polestar with different promoters. And they said, you know, book our bands that no one's ever heard of up and down the East Coast. And I did some cold calls and figured out some of the language and the lingo and um, got to know some of the promoters and eventually brought in some of the, the music that I was listening to and figured out how to be a booking agent and stumbled into a couple of things that had real traction and were real bands and got, frankly, somewhat big and before you knew it, people were actually calling me a booking agent by profession. And since then it's stuck. And that's the, that's the short story. That's, that's incredible. And how many, how many entities did you work for before you got you, Matt and Dave went and started your own company? So through that internship, uh, that management internship was, which was for great guys 
David Cooper and Andy Zimfel, um, who ran a company called Fox Management, who is really um, um, a tech company. And they, they, they were in the music space, but they built tech for tour managers and tour accountants and blah, blah, blah. But they were music lovers and they managed bands. And they kind of took my tenacity and my ambition and my willingness to just not give a fuck daily and just go and do whatever weird job they gave me, which included booking tours for these no-name bands. And they actually started my first company with me and we called it All Access Booking. And I had some bands, you know, specifically Typo Negative, Life of Agony, and a few other bands kind of from that genre that I brought in. But those bands got hot enough that I wasn't getting recruited for jobs, but my bands were getting recruited to be poached by other companies. Mm. And uh, I decided, well, you know, I'm probably going to lose these bands. You know, let me see if my skill set is attractive to anyone. And uh, I stumbled upon a company called Artist and Audience that basically said, hey, you're going to lose these bands that have value. We're actually one of the bands that are or one of the companies that are trying to steal these bands from you. You know, we don't know that we're going to get them, but why don't we maybe take a shot together? You'll keep these bands. We'll give you a job. We'll both win and we'll actually teach you how to do this job for real. And at the time, that company was booking Paul McCartney and Guns N' Roses and Nine Inch Nails and developing Live and uh, Marilyn Manson and a lot like, you know, I mean, we're talking early, mid 90s. So Marilyn Manson was a, a 500 capacity club act at the time. And Live was in the throes of going from clubs to arenas and, and that journey in between and i was literally 20 years old as a walk-on you know uh, as an agent and you know that job took me eventually into a management company started a management company with Vaughn lewis and kenny gabor they managed kill switch engage and a bunch of other cool bands we started that management company together we also started an agency together eventually i kind of fell back on my agency instincts more than my manager instincts they took the management company and ran with it i took the agency and ran with it um and then eventually i wound up at the agency group where i was at for 10 years and then uta for nearly five years which eventually dave and matt and i left uta kind of at the same time and started soundtown group so that is an undetailed version of how i got from there to here well being that you know the 90s to early 2000s, that is such a different music industry in many ways than it is now. In some ways, it's all the same. In in Europe... So many ways, very different. Yeah, very, very different, different. Very different. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, you know, the biggest difference, I, I suppose, was the advent of the internet. And back then, there was a physical product. It was a, it was a business based on, obviously, music is the, the product, but there was a physical sale somewhere along the line yeah and there isn't as much of that now if really any other than i guess vinyl and, and i suppose merch so i guess this is a two-pronged question how much have you seen the music industry change i typically save this question for the last question but i'm just going to do it now how much have you seen it change and are you hopeful for the current state of the music industry it's a blur so i don't think there's a clean answer to that frankly but i mean look when i started in this company or in this business, um, it was landlines and fax machines mm -hmm. um, and data entry into a computer. It wasn't, you know, I kind of got the last breath of that. I was only involved with that 
a couple of years before, you know, the first cell phone I ever had was a friend of mine's cell phone that they lent me for the weekend at the beginning of, of the internet in our business as we know it. But, you know, once that happened, it really accelerated information and, and, you know, how quick you can move things along and to where it is today, which is just, it's just a, it's a different version of itself altogether from that. But I got to be part of that transition, you know, and I wasn't, I literally got the last gasp of the other version of it. So I wasn't hung on to that. I was more looking ahead to, to what it's become now and, and, and the transition in between, you know, and the physical sale part of it is, you know, that's an interesting component. I don't, I don't know if I ever think of it that way so much. I always think about, I don't even know that I'm really thinking about the question properly, but the, what I think about all the time now is the speed of information and how we deal with so many transactions and so many sales by comparison to when I started that, that blows my mind. I don't, I don't, I don't even, I'm not sure I remember what the question was initially, but that's where, that's where I'm thinking when, when, when you take me through the transition of from then till now, it's like, man, you know, there was a, there was a beauty to the slower speed of how things were and the care that those things got um, to how fast things move now. And I still hold on to the beauty of the importance of the detail because of me getting trained in a slower time frame mm-hmm. than just like volume, volume, volume. But I can do volume, volume, volume too. It's a, it's a, that part of it is probably what I think of the most when I think about then till now. I think also the thing that I think about that has changed, I guess this is more on the access or the availability for an artist making it, whether they need a label or not, or someone like me just starting my company from my house in Portland, Oregon, versus I guess what I'm trying to get at is that the gatekeepers have changed. There's There aren't really any gatekeepers. There are, but it's way less than it was in the 90s and early 2000s. Is that is that think, a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's just a different thing. I, that's a great question. I, I don't even know how to do the gatekeepers aspect of anything that we do is I think it is a real thing. I think you can go in through the gate if you kiss the right rings and you're ushered through the system. And then there are those of us who could try, who sneak through at varying levels. Some of us get all the way through. Some of us get part way through. Some of us maybe have the wrong instincts and don't get through at all. Mm-hmm. I do think that's a real, a real aspect of it, but how it, how it's controlled, I think is very much the same and totally different at the same time. I think the people in power are the people in power and, um, they like who they like. And, um, you know, you can, you can get endeared through that system, um, carefully, um, through any of the mechanisms of, of, of climbing the gate creeper, gate, gate, gatekeeper ladder, if you will. Um, and you can be shut down by it in any number of ways. And, um, you, you do have to respect the, the ecosystem, I think. I think, you know, you, you, I come from a world where barking and biting are one and the same. And uh, that doesn't work when you're playing with bigger dogs. Yeah. You know, that doesn't, and you, you have to check yourself. You have to moderate yourself. You have to, you have to learn that there's a, a time and a place for your bullshit to work. Um, and, and 
you know, respect the people that have been there longer and done it better and know more than you. And there is a, there is an ecosystem that exists where, you know, you win and lose based on your self-awareness. Yeah. I think the people that tend to do the best, it's, you know, especially on our side of the industry, meaning we're not playing in bands. We're not the creative in that. I mean, we're, we're creative in our jobs, but you know what I mean? On this side of it, I think people do the best and are most successful when they, they remember that this is a real industry, that these are real jobs, right? Where, where people are doing this to pay their mortgages. We're full-timers. All of us do this full-time. And that's not to say that people, I, I used to do this part-time. It's not to say that that means that they're less valid to be at the table. I'm just making a point that if, like in my case, if I reach out to an artist that has management, I should technically reach out to the manager first. There's nuances in this conversation. But I think if you honor the pecking order and you honor the people that have come before us and you honor, I guess, the gatekeepers in some in some capacity... I think you honor the vali- the validity of this being an industry rather than just waking up every day and pretend, just kind of like, I work in the music industry. I'm just going to pretend. But if you really focus in on this being an industry that can make a lot of money and a lot of impact and move a lot of people's lives, you're going to, you're going to go a lot farther. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I think that's really well said. Gatekeepers are gatekeepers for a reason. They, they keep the gate. <laughs> you either stay on one side or the other. Yeah. And depending on how you honor the ecosystem, you know, you will achieve different gates that you get through. And I absolutely I, and when you when you lose focus of that, you don't understand that, you don't respect that. Um, you know, people keep the, the gate closed on you. And and it's a old school mentality, but I think it, it will always ring true for anybody that's that's trying to get through life and, and have a career and make some dough and take care of their families and have a quality of life. You know, if you, you show a little respect to the program, yeah. um, you know, and, and you work hard and you do the right thing, you can be successful. People right. will like those things and it's applicable to any really any walk of life, but it, it's certainly applicable to what we do in the music business. And you'll get a shot. Agreed. You know, if you get a shot, you know, and, and, you know, you don't fuck up or, and you don't fuck people, people will come back to you and ask you to do more things. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing. I think I was talking to Shapiro about this, that, you know, per the gatekeeper conversation at at one point, I guess more in the nineties, you really only knew about bands you either heard on the radio or, you know, the, uh, there's certainly underground punk rock bands that always existed, but that was like a word of mouth thing. But the the majority of the bands and artists that were out there making a living and you heard about were like on Billboard charts and they're on the radio and, you know, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, all the, the larger bands of that time. And nowadays, those that still exists, but I it's every week, damn near every day. I will hear of a band or a podcast or a film or just some entity, a company that I had never heard of. But when you you look into it a little bit deeper, they have a following. Maybe if it's a band, they're, they're touring. They're playing in front of a couple thousand people everywhere around the world. There's a whole thing. 
They're making money. They're making good money. And I had never even heard of them. Yeah. And that's, there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. It's a good reminder. There's an equal thing here. You have to respect the gatekeepers. You have to respect the industry, capital I, but then don't wait for anybody. You can create your thing. You can do your own damn thing. Go do it. Do it now. Fall on your face. <laughs> like just jump in that deep end and learn how to swim. That's what I did. But I had to have that healthy balance of like, all right, I'm going to jump in the deep end, but I'm going to respect that lifeguard because they might have to save me, you know? I think that actually is a really good way of putting my career, but also probably most of us at Sound Talent Group and, you know, what the future of what stateside is going to look like is um, we have created our own little bubble here that is gigantic in its own right. And it's funny, you know, this happens to me all the time, man, where I'll be in a certain zone of people and it feels like what I'm doing is really big and important Mm -hmm. until you ask, until somebody who who doesn't know anything about our world, asks us what we do. And they have, you can't tell them an artist that that we represent that that, that would resonate with them. Ice nine, who, who's ice nine? What, what does that even mean? Yeah, no, they have no idea. (laughs) Right. It's the biggest thing in this world. And it's like, I've never heard of that in another world. It's yep. It's very humbling and it's very interesting and it's very kind of funny and fun. Totally. You know, but look, this is the difference between the 90s and now. Um, I don't know why we're making that comparison, but it took commercial visibility for those awesome things, those awesome bands to be that big. Everybody has access to everything all the time now. So like we can get invested into something that we think is fucking great and we think is super fucking cool. And we can wave that flag with our peers and our contemporaries and our partners in other parts of our business that make this whole record spin. And we can make something as big as whatever was in another era in our little fucking pocket of the world. And we can have a great life off of it. And once in a while, we can find some cool ass shit that pierces two or three other uh you know, stratospheres and gets mm-hmm. more into the pop subculture or pop culture of things because we do it right and we do it smart and there's a plan. You know, it's like our I say this all the time. We can have a great living and do cool shit by having a plan and a, a, a strategy and working with cool people, doing cool shit with cool music. Yeah. That's a business. That's a business. I'll throw a little luck on that. Fuck yeah. Now we're doing something that's doing something else, you know? That's right. And, and we're getting outside of ourselves at that point. We're getting outside of our our bubble and we're we're reporting the news on a grander scale. But, you know, luck is an intangible. But if you do this long enough with those principles in mind, you're gonna get lucky lucky on on some level. And 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 it's gonna be a little better. Hey man. It's funny you said something about doing some stuff with your friends. And I wrote on my list of things to talk to you about, I wrote Matt's quote. And when I when I first started to meet you three, Dave, Matt, Tim, I remember Matt asking me some, some version of like, what's your mission statement? Like, what, why do you do this? And he, he kind of like answered for me and said, well, I'll tell you when we were coming up with our mission statement for, for Sound Talent, I offered... Let's do some re- something about doing cool shit with our friends. And it's like, uh, that's the best fucking quote ever. That is the best mission statement I, I could have come up with because that's what it is. That's all it is. 
Like there's no, uh, there's no certain number I'm looking for. Who gives a shit? I, I'm one up it by saying I, I'm one up it by saying we're lucky. I mean, you know, we're yeah. lucky. We get to do, do cool shit with our friends, man. It's a, uh, this is a, a good life where, you know, we wake up every day and we, we decide our destiny for that day. Even the days yeah. where some of it goes against us and it isn't, and it's decided in the wrong way against us where everything goes bad. We have the opportunity with what we're deciding to do as a company, as a group of people to change the outcome and make it a little bit better and, and make things great for our families, make great things for this company's future and, and represent great, great artists. I mean, it's, it's, it's a truly, it's a truly incredible thing Mm. that I, I never take, never take for granted. It is amazing. It is such a gift. Um, Tim, have you primarily been operating in this, in this career and industry from the East coast or have you lived in LA at one point? You must have never interesting. Yeah. Well, you avoided to do it. Yeah, man. It's wow. probably the, my detriment probably would have a, a better no. house or, oh, who cares? you know, who knows? So who knows what I, I mean, it, I, I am an East coaster, man. I, I don't, I don't know what it is about me. It's, it's a thing I love about my character. It's something uh, it, that annoys the fucking shit out of me. It's uh, but you know it it it's how I it's how I'm built. You know, yeah. I, I like going to LA. I like going to visit there. I I like going to see my friends out there who are working in this business. I like I, I like LA. Um, but I'm an East Coast guy, man. I'm 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 built to be here. I like the season change the changes. I like I like the concrete of the cities out here. I I like the the nature of the people here and this is the one that's awesome i i generally feel that way about the west coast like i'm not la just the west coast you know i've all i've exclusively lived on the west coast i'm from california southern california and then i moved to oregon with my family you know when i was in junior high so i've been in oregon most of my life and i i feel the same way it's like I love visiting the East Coast. There's something like, uh, I love the towny feel of it. You know, there's kind of an old school, old American vibe out there. We were just in Boston. Then we went to um, Cape Cod for, for a little bit. And I love it out there. I, I absolutely love it. But similar to you, my my true nature feels West Coast. And I don't know what that is. I, there's just something, I guess it's just because we're, we're both from these regions. That's it, man. And it's hard to sh- It's hard to shake. It's hard to shake. It's, it's uh, real. It's a real thing. For better, for better or for worse, man. That's right. Well, um, let me let me ask you something about being an actual booking agent. I think you know, being <laughs> at least you have a job that you can describe to the average person. My my family, people who know what I do, they still don't quite know what I do because it's kind of a niche thing. You know, what's a producer? You have to start with that, and they have managers, and then you have to explain that. What do you love about being a booking agent? What do you think is sort of the the most difficult part about it? Well, what I love about it, and I think it's the core of what got me here in the first place, is I, I love the vibe of what's going on with the band on stage and the audience and the crowd. That's yeah, that's where I fell in love with music, man. I mean, that's yeah, you know, I, I mean, I can I can take you back to the time and the date and the place and 
you know, the smell in the air of, 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 of the first hundred shows I went to. It's like, I remember like it was it happened last week. Yeah. Do you remember the first show? I remember the essence of a lot of, you know, smoky bars. I used to go to with my father to see country bands and blues bands and, and what now we would call classic rock or Southern rock or whatever. But at the time that was just what people were listening to. Yeah. But I remember when I got my own discovery, and I remember going to punk shows for the first time in the first, I mean, the, the first few shows I went to in that world, the, the first hundred shows I went to in that world were literally like, they just were so distinct and so definitive and so outrageous. And like one wasn't better than the other because they were all in some shitty place mm-hmm. with like just degenerate motherfuckers going off and, and having a great time. and. And and a great time was defined by a lot of different things in the in the the mid and late eighties when I started going to shows. It you know a, a good time might have been around a variety of super bad things, um, mm. <laughs> and, and that's kind of my 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 grooming of getting into this music. I'm very you know you know I'm, I'm a rock and roller in that way, man. If it's not a little off, it's not a little fucked up. If it's not a little if it's not a lot dangerous, I probably don't like it that much. If it's a little too sugary, that's probably not for me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my first shows, man. You know, one of the first shows I went to, it's the first big show that I went to, which was still a small show. It was an arena. It was 2000 capacity club. I went to see the exploited in 1986 and, uh, or 87. And then, Oh, wow. The most dangerous atmosphere I've ever been in. I bet. And at least, at least it felt that way. I was 14 or 15 years old. And, uh, scary and super fun and electric and um it was it was that moment where it was burned in me this is all you'll ever do yeah you will go to shows you will feel the electricity produced between the person in the audience and the band on stage and you will you will define that in some way and be part of that and that was that was it. Isn't that great? It's amazing. I, I, I have a I have a similar thing too. I mean, it, that same thing happened to me. You know, when I was 13, 14, 15, starting to go to shows, I, I mean, there's so many of those times that I'm just so thankful that people like you and I knew what we wanted to do at an early age. For me, I wanted to play in a band. So that's what I did in my 20s. I played in bands and I, I toured and I played drums. But just being inspired by music was such a gift. And you know these people that we grew up with that didn't have that. Sure. They just kind of floundered around. They went to college and they didn't know what they wanted. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong. With it. I'm not. I'm not dogging on them. I just feel very blessed yeah. that we yeah. got injected with that music love. Like I remember seeing it was in order: Snapcase, Quicksand, Deftones in like 1999, maybe 98. And those are three of my favorite bands of all time. And it just. It feels more like ninety four or ninety six. It was a li- it was it was a little later because it was the round the okay. fur uh, tour, I believe. But in okay. any case, yeah, because Snapcase and Quicksand had just gotten back together, so it was okay. like a, a oh, re- yeah. the, the first second round, the second round for Quicksand for yeah. sure. Yeah. In any case, yeah. it 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 moved me in a way I can't describe. You know, it was, it was just so like you said, it was dangerous and rowdy and fucked up, and I was like, people do this. This is a this is a thing, and I yeah. I want to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it took me over, man. It really did. I, I, I say it a lot now in retrospect as, as a professional music business person. I feel like I went to shows when I was a kid, 
played music, was in a band, called people to see if my band could play with your band in yeah. Baltimore and Boston. And could you come play with my band here in Philly? And, you know, you know, went to the, the record store after school every day and bought a new record, you know, two or three times a week. All that stuff. I was doing that kind of instinctually without knowing that I would be nearly 50 years old, you know, 30 some years later, right. As a professional music business person, like that, that's what, that's what kids who went to play base professional baseball or soccer or football or basketball did. They were in the gym every day yeah, doing their thing to get better at it because they loved it. That's right. And that's what we do in this situation. That's it. So those are some of the positive things. What what are some of the things that maybe the average folk don't know about being a booking agent and what makes that so difficult? Everyone in this business is the worst. We're the worst. Bunch of fucking degenerates. There's so much ego involved. Oh my God. Totally. You know, we're, we're all fighting for inches while we're already winning by miles, man. It's it's fucked mm. up in that way. It really is. It's like probably there's a million businesses like this, but we, we got to be part of the proud and few that will turn a good thing into a bad thing just because we have to nitpick it. And and it'll never be good after it was good in the first place. Well, we, we have to be one of the only businesses like that. This business never ends. Yeah. You never get a break. You can't take a vacation with your family and get away from it. And by the way, I'm complaining about it because I was asked to complain about it. I don't complain about it. It's like this is a this is a lifestyle, man. This is yeah. I can give you the hundred things that are wrong with it. I couldn't do anything else. I don't know how to do anything else. I love right. doing it. Right. Know? We we fucking chose part it. of it. But it is fucked up, man. It is super stressful. It takes years off people's lives, you know. Um most of us in this business are somewhere between being an alcoholic, drug addict, and recovering from it. It's yeah. like there's a reason oh, yeah. for that. Oh, you yeah. know, the the stress in this business is fucking legit. It's uh, so, you know, um, and it's full throttle hundred percent of the time. And and look, music is fueled by emotion. Uh and emotion isn't always um rational. So yeah, we're dealing with irrational perspective, putting a square at bag in a round hole, hundred percent of the time. That's what's going on over here. You know, yeah, so it's, every time I, because now I see the ins- <laughs> since I partnered with STG, I you know I'm part of these team emails now, and I see the inside baseball of how you guys route tours, and my hats off to you guys. That is that it's constant chaos, and it's it's never done. A tour is routed and done and booked and deposits are made. And then it's like, this all fell apart and we need an opener for Philly and fucking, oh my, and COVID made it 10 times harder. Well, I was just going to say COVID has made it worse because now, you know, and and look, we'll, we'll find the normalcy of this at some point. We will. But right now we're in a transition of you do a bunch of work in a new way because there are new rules dealing with the new thing all covid related the new is covid and you do all those things because that's the way they got to be done and then someone gets covid and the whole thing is fucked and you have to redo the whole thing that is that's horrible 
<laughs> it's fucking horrible, man. It's horrible. You're also leaving out the hardest part, which is that it all just stopped. Yeah. Well, I mean, your specific corner of the industry stopped. I was very lucky during the lockdown and that that period. People were still taking deposits, and people still wanted their records mixed. People were recording more locally at their at their home or their home studio, kind of doing the like behind the you know without anyone looking, we'll track with the producer. And we did a ton of remote work. And it was actually, oddly enough, a very busy time for Stateside. And I'm so thankful for that. But I, I know that people like you guys who who live off the live experience, that live part of the music industry, it was a real struggle. And, you know, my hat's off to STG for, for pulling through those times well, and innovating and, and just keep going. Our Soundtown group is no different than the entire ecosystem system of the live side of the business i mean everybody fought i mean more than usual in a very unusual way everyone came together we're, i mean we're always together but we're always kind of at each other's throats this is that 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 there was a quiet there for 18 months where we were not at each other's throats we were, yeah. were standing up with each other for each other pushing each other to just survive yeah um it was a beautiful thing man and 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 a lot of i i i can't go into i could but i won't because it's a totally different podcast segment so many things happen from an inspired like just again ecosystem i keep calling it an ecosystem of of you know not just the live music but a bunch of other areas of of the world to fight to survive and and be here to tell about it on the other side and maybe even healthier than we were before in a way more unhealthy <laughs> human state of nature uh right it's it's a weird it's weird but i mean you know look we it is it is a a good symbol of human spirit and what humanity can do when the chips are down and our company is a piece of that but our company is not unique to what our our industry went through to still survive and um there's going to be a couple of more layers of it man you know it's like how much dollars are on the street to support all the music and bands that are out there whether it's from making a record to buying a, a record or supporting a streaming service or going to a show or buying a t-shirt you know we don't know what we're into next you know this 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 old COVID thing is a uh we're in the wild wild west of survival and what's ahead and uh, you know i'm not a doomsday guy about it who knows maybe it'll be great i think you're being maybe, maybe it'll also be strange and hard my instincts say right now there's going to be moments of great but there's going to be real moments of strange and hard ahead as well and um i whatever we went through in the last year and a half is frankly probably prep prep work for parts of what's ahead yeah i think you're right i i think this is not the last of this type of thing, unfortunately, that we'll see in our life. So moving on here, Tim, I wanted to ask you, you know, we, you and I both get hit up by younger people in the industry or wanting to work in the industry, rather, maybe people in their early 20s or, or even just someone that wants to, uh, a shift in their professional life. They want to work in the music industry. Maybe in your case, they want to work as a booking agent or they want to support the agency in my case, it's it's management. What would be some of your advice 
to people that are looking to work into the music industry? How can they get started? Should they do it on their own? Should they intern? What What do you think, Tim? Man, I, I think I, I have a lot to say on that. And I don't know how much of it will make sense. It's, um, I think years ago, I would have said, don't do it for the money, do it for the love and the money will come. But I've seen a lot of people come into this business only for the money and still be super fucking successful. Hmm. But I do think that you got to put in time. You got to know that you're, uh, you're, you're looking at a rocky road ahead and you better be motivated by the artists um, and by, for the love of it. Yeah. You know, the, and I, I do think the money will come might, might come in massive truckloads uh, depending on what side of the luck, you know, fence you fall. This work is not for the faint of heart. It's not for the sleepy. It's not for the lazy. It's not for, you know, the entitled. This is this is a job, man. This is everyone that you will encounter will want to know what can you do for them, how well you can do it, and how long you can do it, you know, without tapping out. That's that's our business, man. And and there's a weird reward in it, but it's taxing. So you better come in here with some thick skin and you better be willing to buckle down. Yeah. I mean, when you guys are looking for talented people to work at STG, are you guys hoping that people send their resume, they contact you, or is it more of like, Hey man, if, if you're ready for this, we're, we've probably heard of you by now. Well, no, I think it's a little of both, you know, I mean, we take resumes, we have meetings, we do interviews, we hire some of these people, but I, you know, this is just me. I'm not speaking for the rest of the company. I'm not speaking for the people in the company that hire people with me because there's there's a few of us that are have our hands in it. It goes beyond just Dave and I or Dave Matt and I. There's a few of us that have our hands in it. But I'm a hey, I want a weird motherfucker. I want somebody that's a little off. I want somebody that's showing a different instinct, that's yeah. got a weird eye about something, you know. Um, I'm, I'm attracted to those people. I, I like, a, I don't know if it's a total underdog, but maybe it's a little bit of an underdog, but it's just, it's just somebody seeing the world maybe a little differently and yeah, is hungry. You know, I, I like that, that that's, that's what I want. And, and, um, I think, you know, if you're in tune with that, that thing, like you can get a lot out of that and we can all eat and we can all have a life and, and serve other people because ultimately our business is service. Yeah. Customer service. We're doing work for other people. No one cares what I do. What I do is because I'm slinging some cool bands, got fan base that wants to hear from them. So, um, and, and that transcends through everyone that works at this company. So I look, I just look for a weirdo and 100% that just feels like they've got a vibe that they're ready to fucking be unleashed on this. That's a, it's a, it's an intangible. I can't even totally put it uh, an actual box. But you know it when you see it. Sometimes we get it wrong. You know that's part of the process too. You know more often than not, my crew's gotten it right. Everyone here is fucking awesome, and and I think everyone once they see what it is that we're doing here and what it emanates from, I think it transcends and hopefully it works. Do you think that someone wanting to work in the music industry? It would serve them to maybe narrow in what they want to do in the industry? Or do you think some of that doesn't matter? Like in your case, you just kind of found being a booking agent. It wasn't really your first intention. I think it matters because I personally, I don't want to put a bunch of time into somebody else that's 
trying to go work at a label six months or 18 months into working here or being part of what we're doing. I, I'm, you know, I don't want somebody who really does think they know what they want to do, but I don't have a problem with somebody getting it wrong or having a realization later or knowing it all along, but gave us everything they got in the meantime. Yeah. That all works. You know, if you're hiring young people or you're trying to be involved with young people, which is the premise of our business, like you don't become a band that's been in this business for 30, 40, 50 years without having been a young person in the first place. And the people that gave a shit about it in the first place, that's where we all come from. And that's where all of this will come from in the future. Like, there's nothing wrong with somebody not knowing what they're about as long as they're passionate about trying to get there. I think that actually matters more than most of it is passion. Yeah, I would agree. I'll figure it out from there, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of our recent hires at Stateside, you know who I'm talking about, defines that. Kind of has a, 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 f- a few of those characteristics that we've talked about. Thinks outside the box, super responsible, not entitled um, did their research. They clearly understood the role of what stateside does, what a producer manager does, and all everything that goes with it. That doesn't mean sure. that they have no questions and that they're an expert. But you ha- you should you should respect the the entity in which you want to work in. And I think just saying, I mean, you you and I hear this all the time from bands. Uh, Hey, why do you think your band's going to make it? And they'll say something along the lines of, because I really want it really, really bad. And it's uh, it's my dream. And <laughs> it's like, no one gives a shit that you want it really bad. What are the things that are make you stand out from someone else? And um, I think it's it goes the same uh, on this side of the industry. You have to You have to remember that part of it. Just wanting it really bad isn't enough, unfortunately. No, I mean... I, think, I mean, that, that'll get you a long way, but you, I mean, there's, I, I think you have to back that up. Wanting it really bad and working really hard are not necessarily the same thing, right. you know? Right. And working really hard and not really getting what you're doing are also two different things. Totally. You know? 100%. So it, the, the, those who can kind of pinpoint all of the above get a little further. Yeah, that's right. Well, the audience listening needs to know that you have been dogging me and punking me on my Harley choice as of late. It is a new hobby of mine riding motorcycles, and it sounds like you've been doing this for for quite some time. What are some of the other things that you enjoy doing outside of working 15 hours a day in the music industry? Obviously, motorcycles is one of them. I'm a big motorsports guy in general. Oh, okay. Uh, I've owned right. I've owned race cars for the last 15 years. Oh, no shit. I didn't know that. Motorcycles. I have snowmobiles. I have hot rods. Hell yeah. I wasn't raised with much, but I was raised with the notion that you could put gasoline and shit and blow things up and... And have a blast. And things could go fast. And 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 and, and you could get hurt in a glorious manner. Yeah. With horsepower. That's how I was raised. I'm a total redneck in that regard. There's something about the music industry that that has a lot of parallel to what we're talking about here. People either ride Harleys or motorcycles or like, you know, in your case, all motorsports, you know, cars, whatever. People that do jujitsu. There's a lot of people that work in the music industry that do sure. some... I do jujitsu. A lot of people do that. They want something yeah. dangerous and intense 
We're all fuck-ups and degenerates. I mean, look at Dave Shapiro. He, he flies airplanes and helicopters for fun. He's an absolute lunatic. He's a, he's a straight-edge guy that is completely fucked up in the head and, and insists on doing that for fun. And, I, and we love him for it. But that's, sure. that seems to be a, a running common theme. Not everyone, but very common. I think the music is the adrenaline. Yeah. Or is an adrenaline and whatever whatever our instincts are, I think a music music attached itself to that. I, I think that's for me, man. I, it's like yeah. I've said this a million times, man, but you know, give me ACDC, give me public enemy, give me I mean, I'm a '90s kid or '80s kid, a '90s kid. Like, I'll name a million bands from that era that, like, just, just like, make it loud and make it aggressive. But you know, you can put me on a race car, you can put me on a four wheeler, you can put me on a snowmobile. You could, I'll get the same draw from that as I will be in a room full of, you know, 1,500 people you know, standing on each other's heads and doing stage dives to right. music that I grew up on. It's to me, it's, they're kind of one in the same in a weird way. Yeah. It's funny. I, I mentioned the band Snapcase earlier, the guitar player, one of the guitar players of Snapcase went on to start a drag racing company or something along those lines. And so he has a team that races drag cars and you know, it's it's exactly what we're talking about. It makes sense that he would yeah. play in a super aggressive hardcore band around the world and then pivot to that after the band. Yeah, 100%, man. It's very 100%. common. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's start wrapping this thing up here, buddy. Where can people find you, Tim? You're not really a social media guy, from what I can tell. No. Not at all, right? I don't need extra jobs, man. I'm on the, I'm on the <laughs> internet all fucking day all all day right with emails and (laughs) looking at bands social media and zoom calls i don't need extra jobs that's how i look at it and also yeah you know and i I don't want to get political about anything i I don't go down that road but i i just i think i think social media is not great in a lot of scenarios i think it's a pollutant and i don't need to be part of it i like i like looking at what you're doing or that person's doing or this person's doing but I, you know, I don't, I don't need you to know what kind of salad I'm eating tomorrow or, you know, uh, where I'm spending my Saturdays. I, that, that's not of interest to me to share that information. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I know Dave has a similar feeling on this. He, he has nothing. And, uh, look, it's for everyone to decide from themselves. Um, I'm somewhere in between, you know, I think social media is a, uh, just a tool. It, it is either bad or good. It's it's neither to me. It, it is neither, and it's really it's a personal it's a personal yeah thing. There's moments in my life that I like to accentuate or or grandstand and market and advertise, but they're few and far between, man. I, I, I my personal life is my fucking personal life. I don't I don't totally. I don't want everybody else in it, and that's how I'm, I'm wired. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And I really don't care what most of you are doing with your personal life. I don't need to see it. I don't need to track it. I don't need to be involved with them. I've, I've got enough good shit going on with me that that's good for me. That's as, and that that's not a judgment statement. Yeah. That's just how I'm wired and how I look at it. You know. I think it's uh, in the end probably the healthier opinion. I will be honest. I got a lot of unhealthy things in my life. There's a, I'm not going <laughs> to run around acting like I'm doing something good. It's just how I see the world, man. You know, it's just it. Yeah, man. <laughs> 
Well, dude, you, you are the best. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and Matt and Tim for that matter. It's just been great. I, I'm I'm unbelievably happy and I feel so privileged to get to know you guys. So I appreciate it. We've been on the phone now for well over an hour. Yeah. There's been a, an easy, great hang. And well, good. Yeah, man, this is, this is awesome. And I hope we communicated something cool to anyone who cares to listen. That's right. Anyone that cares to listen, check out this podcast. That's what we're here for. Well, I would ask, uh, where can people find you? But I think if people really want to find you, they can go to Sound Talent Group, I would imagine, and find your email in some capacity. And you're, you're on the internet somewhere. If you need me, you'll find me. That's my- <laughs> That's a good way to be. Yeah. Like, if you really want to get a hold of me, you can. <laughs> well, dude, yeah. thanks for the time. And uh, I'll, I'll let you know when we're putting this thing out. Should be fairly soon. Awesome, man. Good to talk with you. Thank you. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now the podcast about nothing your favorite podcast's favorite podcast do you enjoy nothing (laughs) so do we why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts thank you